Get on your feet. Here's your starting lineup for Toasted STL. Tom Franklin. The man called Wags. Scott Tobin. And Blues Fan Reacts. Good evening and welcome into the Toasted Tavern. Make sure you guys have a nice adult beverage on hand as you get a chance to listen and rant with us about the world of sports. And honestly, it's the Midwest bias. We're going to be talking a lot about the Cardinals and the Midwest, and we're so glad to have you. And Scott, I know we didn't have this the last couple of nights because we're still trying to piece some stuff together, but we got Tom freaking Calhoun introducing us for this. The voice of the blues, man. It, it's pretty cool, man. It's pretty cool. And uh, we've got some other voices that will be coming up here in the next coming days, introducing and doing some promos for us too. So uh, all kinds of really cool stuff we've got going on. But, yeah, to have Tom Franklin call out your name is pretty dang cool. Yeah, and th those uh, those other audio pieces are coming uh, in the next couple of days, so make sure you stick with us and catch those because we have been absolutely blessed with uh, the amount of amazing people that have been associated with us so far and will continue to be associated with us. So we, we are so, so thankful for what we've been able to get. Yeah, absolutely. To hear Tom Franklin gives me goosebumps to hear him say my name and the uh, other voices that we have coming. Same thing. I know you said the same thing when you heard it last night. It's like, man, to, to hear these people that we've listened to and looked up to for a long time talking about us is going to be pretty cool. And I'm excited for everybody to hear all of this stuff when it's all finished. Same here, same here. All right, well, we've got a lot of stuff to get to today. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world of baseball, the NHL, the NBA. We're going to have some great segments for you, and we kind of want to start off with the one that's going to, uh, I guess, piss us off the most because it's not just one team that's pissing us off. There's other things going on in the world of baseball that <laughs> basically want to have us throw things at the TV because of what's going on. And and as we dive into this, it, it, it is. It's the spiral continues. Uh, the, the St. Louis Cardinals, all I can say is, ugh, they – they're in Detroit this the last couple of days to play the Tigers, a last-place team, by the way, a team that you should just absolutely roll over. And they get swept by the Tigers, not so much because the pitching was poor, not so much because <laughs> the offense was bad. It's kind of a combination of both. I mean, Johan Oviedo blew up the other night, and today John Gant didn't, get out, uh, didn't go more than three innings. So, you know, the pitching woes are there. When it comes down to it, an offense that get, that gets you four runs over the course of two two days against the last place Detroit Tigers team, my mind is just absolutely blown as to how poor this team is playing this year. And if you listen to Mike Schilt's post game comments, he basically came out and said, "Tomorrow you're going to see some really big surprises in the lineup." And I, I want to get to that in a second. I just want to get your reactions from the last couple of games, and then we'll dive into what surprises may be in store tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's just no part of this team that's playing well right now. You know, you're, you're not pitching well. You're not playing defense well. The offense is just anemic. I mean, it's just – it's hard to watch. It's painful to watch. Um, you know, when your starting pitchers can't get through three or four innings. I mean, we saw it yesterday. You talked about Oviedo. You know, he was at 27 pitches going into the fourth inning, and then he throws almost 50 in the fourth inning. You know, I mean, that just can't happen. 
and today with John Gant, I mean, you know, he got through the first two innings. He walked two in the second inning. Then at the top of the third, the Cardinals come out. They get you two runs. Arnado hits a home run. You know, Tommy Edmond drives home a run. And then Gant comes out and walks the first two guys, you know, to start that next inning. And the next thing you know, one hit, and they've got three runs, and, you know, you're trailing again. So, you know, it's just it's just a snowball thing, man, because you know the offense is just frustrated because the pitching has been so poor that I'm sure they feel like no matter what they do, their pitching is not going to support them. Um, you know, and the same thing with the defense. You know, we've seen so much bad defense and so many errors, but so much of that, too, goes back to the pitching and the lack of the ability to throw strikes these guys get back on their heels and are just bored out there because you're, you know, you're throwing 40 pitches an inning and 10 of them are strikes. And so everything is just completely out of whack. And this team doesn't even look like a major league ball club right now. And we talked about it on Monday. This team has the <laughs> worst walks per nine inning of anybody in the league at, at almost four and a half walks per nine innings. And it, it's to your point, they just, they can't seem to put anything together. And even when they do go out there and score runs and give your team a lead, the fact that you have guys that cannot get a clean inning. I mean, that's the worst thing to have happen is you go up and you score a couple runs and then your pitcher goes out and either walks a couple, gives up a couple of hits, doesn't have a clean half inning after that and the any momentum that you guys have gotten it just goes away completely and, and John Hefner is right he goes the, the thing the worst thing about this is that everyone is losing and we can't catch up it sucks like we're, we're playing in a division where we're still like only four and a half five games out of first place and yet we're under 500 right now it, it's just it's so frustrating and I, I just I want to get to this this Mike Schilt stuff. You know, what kind of changes are we potentially going to see tomorrow in the lineup that maybe may shock people? I don't think I, there's nothing that they can do with this lineup right now to shock people. You know, what what's he, what's a shock? I mean, there's nobody there's nobody in the minor leagues right now that you can bring up and put in this lineup that's gonna do anything. There's nobody on the bench that you can put in there and do something. What are you gonna do? Put have Ornado hit eight and have, you know, DeYoung hitting first and just, you know, flip people. I mean, that's basically the only thing they can do because they have no other options right now. You talked a little bit about it on Monday. You know, are, are maybe they going to put Dylan Carlson in the leadoff spot? Is that an entirely possibility that you slide him up there? Yes, it's one spot, but maybe you put Carlson up at the top of the lineup, and then maybe you bring up, maybe you put DeYoung in the two hole, get him in front of a guy like Arenado because Arenado and Goldschmidt, they're doing enough right now to be like okay they're they're hitting they're not producing a ton but the guys in front of them can't get on maybe you a slide a guy like the young up into the two hole put carlson first the young second keep arenado and goldschmidt there maybe that generates something pitches for him to see then maybe they get on base or maybe you give a carlson on base and the can bring him i mean i just like you said i don't know what they can do that would really shake up this lineup and make people go oh crap I got to start producing. Yeah. I mean, because you can't really, you know, that's what people are saying. Oh, you know, Paul DeYoung doesn't need to be playing right now. You need to put him on the bench. Okay. Let's put Paul DeYoung on the bench. Who's playing shortstop? Have you seen what Amundo Sosa is doing offensively? He's not hitting at all now. I mean, his average has fallen like 150 points in the last two weeks. You know, I mean, you can't do that. Yachty's struggling, but you can't put Andrew Kisner in there because Kisner is barely hitting 200 and hasn't hit, you know, since like the first week of the season. So that doesn't work. Um, 
You know, you're not going to take Arenado out because he's struggling and put Matt Carpenter in at third base. Well, I mean, Mike Schilt might, but normal people wouldn't do that. I mean, you know, I mean, there's just nothing other than totally going out of the box. And maybe that's what you have to do. You know, I'm, I'm going to give Brad Thompson some credit. I was listening to one-on-one today and he came up with this idea and he said, you know what, maybe at this point, because he pretty much said it, he said, right now this team is bad. He's like, you know, maybe, maybe you have to go down to the minor leagues and say, all right, we know you guys might not be completely ready, but Nolan Gorman, Matthew Libertor, you're coming up for a couple of weeks. We're going to speed this process along and we're going to see if you can put some life in this ball club. And other than doing something like that, because, I mean, let's face it, Lars Newtbar not going to turn this team around, although he did have a triple today and did get an RBI yesterday on a sacrifice fly. But, I mean, he's not the bat that's going to make this offense all of a sudden turn around. If you bring up Nolan Gorman, does that light a fire under somebody? Does somebody go, okay, here comes this kid who's tearing it up in double A. Maybe you stick him in the lineup and maybe he provides a spark. Maybe. I mean, it, it could happen, but he could also really come up here and struggle, like we saw Dylan Carlson early last year when he first came up. You know, same thing with Matthew Libertor. Do you say, okay, kid, you know, you're not coming up here to be the savior, but go out there and give us five solid innings every fifth day. You know, is that his reward? Because, you know, he wanted to go to the Olympics. It doesn't look like the Cardinals are going to be able to let him do that. So do you say, okay, we're not going to let you go to the Olympics. We're going to keep you with the organization, but – we are going to promote you. And instead of pitching for the United States, you're going to get your major league opportunity. You know, maybe something like that's what they've got to do because going, <laughs> going out there, you know, every couple of days and throwing John Gann out there and at this point, Johan Oviedo and Carlos Martinez and expecting big results. It's just, I mean, <laughs> it's insane at this point because we've seen what they are. They're not getting, this is what they are, you know, well, and you also have guys like Zach Thompson down there as well that could potentially come up. I don't know. He's not been pitching great this year, but that might be another one of those just to shake up things as Guy Bensing, uh, the Hawaii Blues fan, a fan of the show, and we're fans of him as well. So, hey, Guy. Uh, maybe that's something that shakes up. You know, a guy like Jordan Walker is hitting down in the minors as, as well. And once again, it's not so much about, like you said, bringing them up to be the savior, but maybe it's just a matter of look like the guys that are playing right now, like, We've got guys in the minors that we can just we can say screw it, the season's over, and bring these guys up and get a major league experience. Maybe it is just a game or or a couple of games where you put them in there and say this is what's coming. You can either go out there and play like you're supposed to, or we're just gonna say screw the season and bring these guys up. I mean, that might be a possibility. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you look at a guy like Nolan Gorman, and you know, everybody says, well. He's never been in triple A. No, he hasn't. But, you know, we've seen top prospects jump from double A straight to the major leagues. Lots of times. I mean, there's a lot of guys that have never played triple A baseball that come up here that are top prospects and produce pretty well. So, I mean, it's a scary prospect because you don't want to bury the kid, especially since they didn't have a season last year. But when you see what he's doing at Springfield and he's just absolutely tearing the cover off the ball, I mean, in a lot of ways – and, you know, people have said this, there's not that big of a jump between double A AA and triple A. So, you know, while he's probably not ready for the major leagues, maybe you do bring him up here for a week and see. And if he comes up here and does something, then maybe he stays. I mean, you know, the famous quote in 1985, Whitey Herzog brought Vince Coleman up here and said, okay, kid, don't get comfortable because you're 
only here for a week. And Vince said, no, I'm not. I'm never going back down, you know, and we know how that worked out. So maybe, you know, maybe something like that does happen. You just never know. But I mean, they've got to do something at this point. You can't just sit on your hands and say, okay, well, this is what we got. And, uh, you know, we're stuck because here's the thing. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but if this team struggles like this and they don't pitch and they don't hit and, you can see the frustration building on his face. I know I said he would never do this, but if this team doesn't show signs of, hey, we're going to get better, or hey, we're going to make moves to get better, how do we know that Nolan Arenados doesn't turn around at the end of the season and go, okay, the Cardinals made me the same promises that the Rockies did. They didn't try to help us win either, so I'm out of here. It's a scary thing to think about, and it is something that has been gaining traction in in circles that it's possible. Uh, you know, he, he gets the respect and the admiration of the fans that are here, so that is definitely a big part of it. But, yeah, I mean, if, if the organization is going to say exactly what Colorado did and then not do anything about it, that's the thing. Mosaic even said last week that changes were going to be – that changes were coming. And we haven't seen it. Now, I know it's you look at it and you can't just snap your fingers and a change happens. You know, there have to be dance partners. Though all that has to fill, you know, find a spot and make it work. But if you're not actively going out there and trying to find things to happen, you're not going to find a dance partner. I mean, you could go out there and you could talk to Washington and say, hey, look, you know, maybe we do have to pay a little bit of a higher price to bring in a Max Scherzer or, hey, Let's talk to Minnesota about Bar- Barrios or, or what have you. If you're not going out there and talking, you're just waiting for them to come to you and say, hey, you look like you could need help. You look like you need help. Let's let's find a, a trade that works for us. If you're not going out there and trying to fix it on your end, you're not doing anything to improve your team. And that's what Nolan Arenado dealt with in Colorado. It's it's kind of been the MO here in St. Louis as well. I'm not saying that Mosellock and them haven't, made improvements to this team or tried to make improvements. Like you said on Monday, they went out and they got Ozuna. They went out and got Goldschmidt. They went out and got Nolan Arenado. But it feels like with this organization, it's like a one and done kind of thing. It's okay. We're going to go after this one guy. And once we get him, mm, here we go. You have right. to build on a couple of different pieces. Look, just go back to 2011. That That's the huge part. 2011. <laughs> How many moves did they make in that 2011 season that got them to where they needed to be in the postseason? They made a bunch. And, I mean, the big one was the Toronto move for sure, but they made a bunch of other moves. This Cardinals team, as of late, they make one move and they think that's it. And then they rely on their quote-unquote depth that they do have a lot of, but it's a lot of young guys that that haven't had the experience yet. So, I don't know. It's getting frustrating, I can tell you that for sure. No, it really is. And you brought up 2011. I mean, you go back and look at what the Cardinals have done, you know, in the off in the off season is one thing, and then you look at what they've done at the trade deadline, and you're you're right. 2011, they bid, made the big Colby Rasmus move, brought in all those pitchers. Other than that, under John Mozeliak's watch, you can look at 2013. You know that was the year they went out and got John Lackey and Justin Masterson when their pitching staff was struggling. You know, and that team went back to the World Series in 2013. And the only other year that you can really look at with Mosaic as the GM and say they made big moves at the trade deadline was 2009. And you look at that year, they went and got Mark DeRosa. Then they went and got Matt Holiday, And then they topped it off by going out and getting John Smoltz, you know, and that team made the playoffs and made a pretty good run, you know, so they did what they needed to do to make that team better and to win. And I really thought that's what they would do when they went and got Nolan Arenado. 
You know, I mean, you brought Wainwright back. You brought Yachty back. You go get Arenado. How do you get to this point and be like, well, okay, well, we did that. You know, the team's not doing real well, so, you know, there's always next year. You know, I mean, you know, it doesn't make any sense. You know, Mosaic's talked out of both sides of his mouth. You know, a couple of weeks ago, like you said, he was, you know, changes are going to come soon and we're going to have to make moves and do stuff. And then you hear him this week and he's like, well, there's really no pressure on this year for us to win. You know, we're, we're not going to mortgage our future. You know, we don't, we don't feel any pressure to have to win this year. It's like, wait a minute. You just told the fans that there was pressure a week ago and that changes were coming. And now you've totally switched and are saying, oh, well, we're not feeling any pressure to do anything, you know? And then he won. Then they wonder why the fans are upset. Yeah, it's, it's exactly a great point. And guy also, has this question or not a question. He says the statement Schilt doesn't last until the all-star break. Is that a move that they would make just to maybe say they could make a move? I mean, it's not like Schilt's had not no, no success. I mean, this team has won games, but is the, the ax going to fall on the manager because that's the easy way out? No, because they did that two years ago. You know, they did their in 18, three years ago with Matheny at the trade at the all-star break, you know, and that did light a fire under the team when they brought Schilt in and they almost made the postseason that year. I don't think it's going to happen because if you look at this team under Mike Schilt, they've been a second half team. Look what they did in 2019. They were about this. They were about this point in 19. And then the second half, they just were on fire and they made that run. In 18, like I said, after he got hired, they went on that run in the second half of the season <laughs> and got really close to making the postseason last year. And even last year, you know, the last 20 or 30 games was where they really turned it on. I mean, I know they only played, what, 58 games last year. But, you know, the last 25 games plus is when that team really turned it on and made that postseason push. So I think because of that track record of them being a better second-half team, and that, that even goes back to the Tony LaRusa days. If you look at the years when Tony was here, that team was a way better ball club the second half of the season every year than they were the first half. So I think because of that, they don't. I think she is going to make it through this season. And, you know, this team still does have the talent. As frustrated as I am, and as I know everybody is, you know, there is enough talent on this team that they can be in contention. They definitely need to add a piece. You have to go get a starting pitcher and probably a bench bat. But when you bring back Jack Flaherty and you get – Harrison Bader back. And, you know, that's a piece that nobody wants to talk about. But not having Harrison Bader is huge for this team because it screws up your defense. You know, Tommy Edmonds in the outfield instead of second base. You know, <laughs> your center field defense isn't as good. So when you get Bader back, you get Flaherty back, you get Jordan Hicks back, who nobody even talks about, he's probably going to be back the end of July, first part of August. That would be a huge piece to that bullpen. You know, and then if you get Flaherty <laughs> back – if you're somehow able to get Miles Michaelis back, which I'm not holding my breath on that one, but you know, you get a couple of those pieces and you add a piece, then you can move John Gant back to the bullpen. And all of a sudden this is a totally different looking ball club, you know? So, I mean, I'm not giving up on them, but they definitely need to do some things to try to light a spark under this team right now. And then, you know, hopefully get healthy and make a move or two in the next month. And I think they can win this division. And I think they still can go deep in the playoffs. Honestly, I really do. I'm right there with you. I, I, I'm not losing hope, 
but it is getting to the point now where maybe I'm watching a soccer game as opposed to watching a Cardinals game because I kind of <laughs> will know how a Cardinals game is going to end. Uh, another team going uh, in, in the area, in the Midwest area, that's going on in action right now. The uh, Royals are playing the Yankees in New York. It's the top of the ninth. The Yankees lead 4-3. to three. Carlos Santana hit a game, uh, go-ahead home run in the top of the eighth for the Royals. Uh, Rufnid Odor hit a two-run shot in the bottom of the eighth to give the Yankees a 4-3 to three lead. There's one out in the top of the ninth right now. Aroldis Chapman on the mound for the Yankees. And another piece that we got to talk about when it comes to Major League Baseball, and this is one I know you are probably pretty hot under the collar about, and it's because we saw pretty much the worst use of it last night uh, with uh, Mac, um, Max Scherzer and Joe Girardi. It's these new Major League Baseball rules, quote-unquote, about pitchers being checked. The on-field exams uh, began on Monday uh, last night was the most egregious of them all. Max Scherzer was checked three times during the game. Joe Girardi and the Phillies thought the Phillies thought there was something in his hair. He kept going to it. Something he does. So it's not like it was something out of the ordinary for Max. But he kept going to his hair. They kept checking him. And basically, by the time the third check happened, he he tossed his glove and hat on the ground. He unbuckled his pants and kept saying, "I've got nothing." And he wasn't the only guy to unbuckle his pants on Tuesday night. Sergio Romo did the same thing. He unbuckled them and dropped Trow, you know, a la Steve Lyons, uh, on TV. And, and it kind of begs the question, should the TV uh, cameras be showing these checks, first of all? And B, just let it out. Tell me your feelings and your thoughts on these on-field examinations. I mean, I, I understand why they're doing it, but – how did you not – I mean, you knew that spin rates were out of control. You knew that pitchers were doing this. How do you decide in the middle of the season that all of a sudden, hey, we're going to enforce this? You know, that's just ridiculous. And to not talk to the players about how you're going to do it or what you're going to do. You know, Rob Manford just comes out and says, hey, we're going to start uh, having the umpires check pitchers and then completely disappears. You haven't heard any comments from Rob Manford since he came up with that idea in the first place. And then to see what happened in Washington, you know, and this is what everybody was worried about. There's going to be managers that take advantage of this, that try to try to throw off a pitcher's rhythm by having them checked. And that's all Joe Girardi was trying to do last night. You know, there was no question. First of all, no pitcher is going to be dumb enough to cheat the first week that they're doing these checks because pitchers know that the umpires are going to be out there. So if you are dumb enough to cheat right now and get caught, you need to just hang it you know, pack your bags and go home because you're too stupid to be in the major leagues. If you're doing it the first week, they're doing checks. You know, I mean, but what you already did was ridiculous. You know, I mean, the hand chargers checked once. They checked his glove. They checked his hat. You know, then it was hot and humid. So, yeah, he was running his fingers through his hair. That's what Scherzer said. He was like, yeah, I was sweating. You know, I was hot. I was sweating. I was wiping sweat off my hair. And for Girardi to say, well, I was – I, I thought there was something peculiar because I've never seen Max go to his hair before. Really? Have you watched every time Max Scherzer's ever pitched to know whether or not he wipes the sweat off of his head? I mean, that's just Girardi. You know, like I said, the Phillies couldn't hit him, so they were trying to disrupt him and get him out of a rhythm and frustrate him. And, you know, that's what everybody said. A lot of managers are going to try to take advantage of this, and that won't be the first or the last time you see that happen until Major League Baseball comes up with a new kind of guideline to keep that stuff from happening. You know, and the Nationals were mad enough that, you know, their general manager, Mike Rizzo, came out and called Joe Girardi a con artist today, you know, said, <laughs> you know, just really ripped him on the radio. 
And, you know, baseball needs to come down on Jordan because Jordan had a smile. I mean, you could tell when they interviewed him after the game that he was almost had that smile chuckle like, yeah, I got away with something here tonight. I was trying to screw Scherzer over. You know, so you've got to come up with a better way to do this. I mean, you know, the spin rate thing, like I said, the spider grip and all that stuff, yeah, you've got to get that out of the game because there's no there's no need for it. You know, there's absolutely no need for pitchers to be cheating that blatantly. But uh, you've got to come up with a way, and you've got to come up with a way to allow pitchers to use something. You know, if you're not going to let pitchers use rosin, you know, like they always have, or a little bit of pine tar or whatever to get a better grip, the Major League Baseball needs to come up with a way to uh, – I can't talk, sorry. Major League Baseball needs to come up with a way to fix these balls themselves that everybody agrees on, pitchers and hitters. And before games, you come up with some kind of a little bit of a sticky tack to put on the balls. All the balls are exactly the same. Everybody has the exact same thing. And you do it that way. I mean, you, you can't take everything away from the pitcher to where they're not getting a grip at all now and then be like, okay, well – you know, now guys are getting hurt because they're having to put more force on the ball to throw it, you know, which we heard Tyler Glasnow talking about that he thinks that's how he got hurt last week or two weeks ago was because all of a sudden he couldn't get a grip because he couldn't put anything on the ball. And so he was having to put more force with his thumb and his forearm into the ball <laughs> to get a grip to hold it to try to, to try to get the ball to move like he wanted it to. So you definitely have to come up with something that pitchers can use that everybody agrees on. And then after that, if they're using something beyond what you've the league's agreed on, what the Players Association has agreed on, then you suspend them. But you don't just do it in the middle of the season and not, not really have a play in and go, okay, we're taking away everything. I mean, that's just, you know, that's just Rob Manford. Like somebody said, I really don't think Rob Manford likes baseball with all these stupid rules and all these changes that he just tries to make. It's like he has never watched the game before and doesn't care about it and is just throwing stuff up against the wall, seeing what will stick. And it's it's ridiculous. I can see that. I, I really can. I mean, he, he's a guy <laughs> that I don't know how much into baseball he was. I, I'm pretty sure he was Bud Selig's you know, lawyer or something to that effect where it, it's more about the – the, the paperwork than it is about the actual game itself. And he actually did have some comments today uh, about what's been going on. And he was surprised, surprised saying, Oh, it's working wonderfully. You know, the whole thing on Tuesday night with, with Washington, that was just a, uh, just a, a one-time thing. Everything else has been going smoothly. It's, it's amazing how amazing it's been. He sounds like somebody else that we know that likes to talk about amazing things that actually aren't amazing, but we won't get into that. Uh, and speaking about, you know, Major League Baseball finding a way to kind of prevent managers from taking advantage of this. Well, Mike Matheny in Kansas City, he's already got a plan for what happens if a, a opposing manager decides to be like this. Uh, he's going to have his team respond. And whether that means throwing at the opponent or what have you, they're going to do that. And that's the other part of that is if Major League Baseball isn't going to police it, the teams themselves are going to police it. And then once again, now you're getting into injuries. You're getting into fights and things like that. Also on the fact of grip. Now, how many guys have we seen over the last couple of years get hit with baseballs that get away, not intentionally thrown? I mean, even this, this year, we've had a couple of them. Bryce Harper, for example, got hit in the face with a baseball because a Cardinal player could not grip it. That's the whole thing. It's not in a lot of these instances, it's not about them trying to gain an advantage. It's for them to try and protect the players that they're facing. And guys like Garrett Cole have even come out and said like, Hey, we want to figure out a way to make something 
universal, like you said, that everybody uses and it, it's standard across the board. No more of this back bullpen, back dugout, back clubhouse concoction that are that you're getting. I mean, Adam Wainwright even went out and tried some stuff a couple of years ago. He came out and said and admitted it. He goes, I tried it. It wasn't for me. And I've moved on. But even when you get guys like an Adam Wainwright who are like, I need to find something that's going to give me a grip in order to help me control the ball. That's saying something right there. And if Major League Baseball can't not see that, then there's something fundamentally wrong with the league and, and they need to find a way to change. No, they absolutely do. You know, because any anybody that's ever pitched throwing a baseball will tell you how slick, especially a new baseball can be trying to get a hold of it. You know, even pitching back in Legion and high school days, if you didn't have a little bit of dirt, a little bit of rosin, something on that ball, it was hard to get a grip on it. You know, it just it is. And so, you know, to punish guys that are using dirt and pine tar and that kind of stuff that, you know, that they've always used a little bit of suntan lotion, that's not making the ball do anything really different. You know, it's getting a grip. It's really not going to affect the spin <laughs> on the ball or anything else. So, I mean, you know, why why take that away from pitchers? It just doesn't make any sense. Um, going back to Garrett Cole, I don't have a whole lot of I don't have a whole lot of respect for anything that Garrett Cole says because did you hear his press conference last week where they asked him if he'd ever used anything and he said I don't know how to answer that like I mean he was humming and hawing and stumbling all over it's like just come out and admit it say yeah I did it you know and now that the league is against it I'm not going to use it anymore that's all I had to do do what Wainwright did you know yeah I tried it I didn't like it I'm not using it anymore. You know, but Cole made himself look like an idiot during his uh, conference. But, uh, yeah, you know, and there's still going to be pitchers that are going to try to come up with something. You know, I mean, there's guys that are going to try to cheat no matter what you do. But, you know, baseball's just got to come up with, like we said, with that thing that everybody agrees on. And then if pitchers get caught using anything else, then you suspend them for, you know, a couple of weeks, a month, whatever, and you don't pay them. That was the other dumb thing. Okay, we're going to suspend you for 10 days. But you still get paid. Really? I mean, yeah, you're hurting their team because the team can't get bring anybody up to take that roster spot. But are you really hurting some of those players? Because some of those pitchers that are doing that, they don't really care about the team. It's just about them and their money anyway. That's why they started doing it in the first place, to try to make more money when they became free agents. So, I mean, if you really want to, if you really want to stop it, that wasn't the right way to go about that either. And, again, it just shows how half-assed this whole idea was. Yeah, it really, really is. All right, we're going to leave that to bed because I think we've kind of vented our frustration enough. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move on to NHL talk because we've got some St. Louisans in action tonight and we've got a potential potential spot being punched in the Stanley Cup Finals tonight as Tampa Bay is hosting or is in New York tonight uh, trying to close out that series. They lead three games to two. We're in the third period. The Lightning jumped out to a 2-0 lead early on in this game. They scored a goal uh, in the first period, and then Anthony Sorelli made it 2-0 in the second before Jordan Eberle got the Islanders on the board. And just within the last couple of minutes, St. Louis and Scott Mayfield notched the score at 2, and we are 2-2 with 6.29 to go in the third period as Pat Maroon and the Tampa Bay Lightning look to move on to the Stanley Cup Finals for the second year in a row. This has been a hell of a series. And honestly, these two series have been absolutely amazing. And the Lightning are coming off of a, a huge win, eight to nothing in game five to give them that three games to two lead. Are, are you I know you're you're not an Islanders fan. You're a Rangers fan. I get it. 
Are you surprised right. or are you impressed by the fact that the Islanders have been able to come back, not just from an 8 nothing loss, but also from being down 2 nothing early in a game-clinching one for the Lightning? Are you surprised or impressed that they were able to come back and at least get this game tied and maybe win this game and force it to 7? Yeah, you have to be because, like you said, after they got blown out eight to nothing, it would have been really easy to pack it up and say, "Okay, season's over." Especially when you go down two nothing tonight, but to fight back and tie that game, then just you do have to respect the grit and the toughness and the fight in that team. And so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this game plays out the rest of the way. But yeah, you definitely have to give them a ton of credit for having that fight within the team. And that's what makes the Stanley Cup playoffs so amazing, is because any team can win on any given night. We, we saw Colorado and Vegas, Colorado, a nine to one victory in game one against Vegas. And then Vegas wins four straight. So a blowout victory does not necessarily always guarantee success and being able to move forward in these playoffs. So we'll keep an eye on that game as we go along. The other series going on right now is Montreal and Vegas. Montreal was a winner last night, four to one. They take a three games to two series lead heading back home to try and clinch this series. Montreal's been phenomenal this postseason. They've been the surprise story. They've been just absolutely a, a locomotive going through these playoffs. And I was talking to some guys last night at hockey, and they I know they're not the same team, but this is an eerily reminiscent of the 2019 St. Louis Blues. They've got good goaltending. They play a very sound defensive game, and they score timely goals. Now, the Blues had a little bit more goal-scoring firepower than the Canadians had this year. But is it kind of crazy to think that this is kind of a 2019 St. Louis Blues-style team, and, and they very well could go on to win a Stanley Cup? Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see the comparison. So the fact that Montreal has uh, good goaltending like the Blues, is that is that because part of Montreal's goaltending tandem is the same as that 2019 Blues uh, goaltending tandem, you know, Mr. Jake Allen? Uh, you know how much of a Jake Allen fan I was. I was shocked when they moved him and didn't re-sign Alex Petrangelo because for me that was, if you're moving Jake Allen, it's because you're re-signing Petrangelo. Why you decide to move Allen and not you know, sign a guy like Petro, I would have much rather have kept Bennington and Allen together because they both push each other. They're both 1A, 1B type goaltenders. They're not solely starters. They have to play off of each other. Yes, one guy would get the bulk of play, but they have to have somebody to one-up, and Billy Huso doesn't one-up Jordan Bennington, although Huso did play better as the year went on. Having a guy like Jake Allen in net with Bennington would have been so much better the last year or two that I, I, I'm shocked that they did that move, and to put Jake Allen with Carey Price... That's a great move by Montreal. And you have to remember, what was the big key in 2019 for the Blues? It wasn't necessarily the on-ice play. It was phenomenal, don't get me wrong. But it was Jake Allen emulating the goalies that they were going up against and giving his offense and defense a look at what they were going to be expecting. I guarantee you that's exactly what Jake Allen's doing for Montreal right now. And that's, from my eyes, that's the reason they're successful. Yeah, I'm sure he is. I mean, they'd be stupid if he wasn't doing that same thing. And, you know, and like you said, Jake Allen was a big part of that team because of that stuff and his, and his uh, leadership in the locker room and the clubhouse, and I'm sure he's brought that to to Montreal and helped that team. And, uh, yeah, I can definitely see the uh, comparisons to that team and the 2019 Blues team in general. Is it going to be weird seeing potentially two Eastern Conference teams 
generally two Eastern Conference teams in the Stanley Cup Finals. It is. It's weird to say that Montreal is in the Western Conference Finals. It's every time. Every time I look at that, I'm like, that can't be right. You know, it just it just doesn't seem natural. But yeah, it'll it'll totally be strange. But uh, it's interesting, and isn't it crazy how many St. Louis connections there are to all four of these teams that are still standing? Yeah, you've got Jake Allen and Joel, Joel Edmondson in Edmond in Montreal. You've got Ryan Reed, Alex Petrangelo in Vegas. You got Scott Mayfield on the Islanders, and really, you've got a little bit more St. Louis connections with the Islanders because you know Al Arbor was a former Blue, coached the Islanders for a long time. There are connections still there, and then over in Tampa Bay, you've got Pat Maroon, who you know, come on, if he goes three for three, that's just insane. I mean, you saw it back in the days of Montreal when they won. God knows how many straight in a row, and you've got guys with rings on all their fingers and some of their toes. So it's not unheard of, but it's more so unheard of in the age of free agency. And to see Pat Maroon potentially play for a third straight Stanley Cup, I'll be perfectly honest. The parade needs to come back if he does. Right. I agree. Here's a question for you. If Pat Maroon wins a third title, how many more Car Shield commercials are we going to have to see Pat Maroon in, in the next couple of years? I don't know why he's doing it, but he's probably making money hand over fist now. He doesn't have to make those commercials. They're pretty funny. I mean, some of some of them aren't the best commercials in the world, but some of them are pretty funny. There's even one now where Ric Flair's in the one with him. And I think is O'Reilly in that one too. I think Ryan O'Reilly might be in the one with Ric Flair as well. I think it is. I think it's O'Reilly, Maroon, and Ric Flair. And yeah, uh, I'm not a wooer. I'll put it that way. As far as the uh, the wooing going on at the Cardinals and Blues games, I am a Katie Woo fan, by the way. Though she's done a great job with the Athletics, so let's not say we're totally anti Woo. But yeah, the whole Woo thing, just yeah, okay, whatever, whatever. Uh, speaking of the 2019 St. Louis Blues Stanley Cup Championship team, one of those members officially hung up his skates today, and. I wouldn't say it's a surprise because he is coming off of a pretty devastating knee injury this year, but he did feel like he maybe could go another year or two. Uh, defenseman Carl Gunnarsson announced his retirement today from the NHL, and he's going to go down in Blues history, Blues lore. His name is going to be remembered forever. Boom Boom Gunnarsson scored the game-winning goal in Game 2 of the 2019 Stanley Cup Finals. It was the first finals victory in St. Louis history is a huge moment for the Blues and for Carl Gunnarsson, but not so much as huge as the story behind how he scored that goal. If you guys don't remember, in the third period of that game, Carl Gunnarsson had a, a great look on goal and hit the post. And in the intermission between the third period and overtime, he and Craig Berube were uh, relieving themselves at the urinal in the bathroom and what does Carl Gunnarsson do? He turns to his left and he goes, give me one more shot. And guess what happens in overtime? Carl Gunnarsson pots home the game winner to send Blues home with a 1-1 series tie in that finals. I mean, the story is amazing. I mean, there were so many stories during that 2019 run, but that one right there obviously sticks out above the rest. Gunnarsson was a steady player a guy that never expected to make it, played 12 years in the league, finally got a Stanley Cup ring. What's Carl Gunnarsson's legacy in your mind going forward now that he's retired from the NHL? I mean, it's always going to be as he was a Stanley Cup champion, but I think it's got to be that goal in game two because the Blues don't win that cup if Gunnarsson doesn't make that goal in game two and win that first playoff or win that first Stanley Cup playoff game, finals playoff game. My tongue is tied tonight. 
that uh, Stanley Cup Game 2 Finals goal to win that. If he doesn't get that goal, they don't win that game. They don't win that cup. So, I mean, Gunnarsson's – he's huge in that aspect. And then I think just the leadership that you heard about it, him in the clubhouse, what a huge part of the team he was in that aspect as well. I think those are the two big things with him. When a guy like David Perron tells you how important a guy like Carl Gunnarsson is to you, especially in the locker room, that right there shows the volume of what he actually means to a team. Because you've got guys that will star on the ice, and then you've got guys that are the stars in the locker room. And not so much the bombastic, blah, 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 it, but the guys that really hold the locker room together. And that's what a guy like Carl Gunnarsson does. And you know, for the Blues this past year, losing a guy like Alex Steen, losing a guy like Alex Petrangelo, losing a guy like Jay Bomeister, and you can even throw in losing a guy like Carl Gunnarsson, even though he did play part of the season. Once you lose that kind of leadership and that locker room glue, things start to go haywire. And that's exactly what happened to the St. Louis Blues this year. And losing him now to retirement is going to be difficult. You just hope that the Blues find some way to be able to get a guy like Gunnarsson or a guy like Steen back into that locker room. And I know COVID kind of changed things up this year where people couldn't be in the locker room as much. This next season, if they can get those guys back into the locker room and really get that glue back, even if they don't play on the ice, you might see a much more improved St. Louis Blues team this year. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you about that. Isn't it crazy how those core guys that were kind of the leaders of that Stanley Cup team they're all gone. You know, it's like it was the guys that were kind of the heart and soul, the leaders of that team that played Craig Ruby's style. It's amazing how quickly all of those guys are not there anymore. And, uh, you know, you heard Carl Gunnarsson say today that he was moving back to Sweden at the end of the summer. So I'm not sure he's going to be around the locker room a whole lot uh, this co- upcoming season. But, yeah, you know, the Blues have got to find those guys hope that some of these young guys that had some experience with those veteran guys in 2019 last year, you know, a little bit of time this year, you hope that that rubbed off and they kind of step up and take that role because that's what you have to have to keep that, keep that tradition, to keep that legacy, to keep that blues hockey style that, you know, Bruby wants. You need those guys to step up and fill those roles. And hopefully some of these young players, you know, can do that. The Colton Parecos and the, and the Robert Thomases and the, you know, those guys have to take those next steps to be the leaders on this team. If they're with this team next year. And that's the thing that's going to be rampant over the summer. You know, you got the Matthew Kachuk rumors, you got the expansion draft, lots of things going on, lots of balls in the air. Unfortunately, you know, a guy like Thomas or Pareko could be gone from this team. So it's going to be a really interesting off season for sure. Uh, you also can't forget that Oscar Sundquist missed a good piece of this season as well. He's another one. He was a younger guy that was a core part of right. that Stanley cup run. So having him back should be a huge, huge addition as well. All right, it's the end of the third period. The Islanders and Lightning going to overtime in a must-win game for New York. We'll try and keep you updated. Hopefully, we'll get a goal before the show ends here. Uh, We'll make sure to bring that to you if that happens. But let's switch gears now. Let's jump over to the NBA. And, you know, I tell you what, we're going to talk about the Eastern Conference Finals first. But this play from last night in the Phoenix Suns and the L.A. Clippers game, um, dude, l- let's just watch it real quick. Not an easy inbound with that big body in front of you. Crowder looking, throws it. Alley, oh! Aiden puts it down. 
He puts it down. It's over. And they're trying to say goaltending, but that's a lot of basketball. He can finish it. Right. There is no goaltending on an inbound pass. Was that the basket counted? What a perfectly executed play. Aiton guides it in beautifully. Unbelievable that play. I, I know that I was going to bed last night as that game was ending, and I just had to stay up and watch the highlights of that. Dude, this is what the NBA playoffs has done the last couple of years to bring fans back. Absolutely an amazing moment last night. Yeah, it really was. To end a game like that, I mean, you can't draw up that play and execute it any better than they did. And that was to be the game winning shot, that's pretty impressive. And they've done this, the Jazz have, or the Suns have, without Chris Paul in games one and two. They're up 2 nothing in the series. Chris Paul is probable for game three. And you have to look at the Clippers side of things and go, okay, what are you going to do to back this up? Well, Kawhi Leonard is very, very doubtful for game three. And, and this is a team like the Brooklyn Nets, too, that was built to make it to the finals. What, what's going on with the Clips, man? Well, you know, they're missing Kawhi, and it just came out just a few minutes ago that he has been ruled out. He is definitely not playing in game three. So that that's a huge thing. That's a huge loss for the Clippers. You know, that puts so much on Paul George to be the leader and the star of that team. And that's not really what Paul George is. He's kind of the uh, he's kind of the uh, Robin, the, the Batman of whatever team he plays on. You know, he's not really the guy that's going to step up and be that superstar. That's never really been his forte to make those big shots and kind of steal the moment. So it's going to be tough. And that Suns team is just good, man. And you get Chris Paul back. You know, Devin Booker, we talked about this the other day, maybe the next big superstar. And I told you I was picking the Suns, and I liked Devin Booker, and I liked them even more because I didn't realize that Devin Booker is the son of former Mizzou star point guard Melvin Booker, who was oh. you know, who 1,500 points in his Mizzou career and was the point guard and the leading scorer on that Mizzou team in 1993 that went undefeated in the big eight and made it to the elite eight in the tournament and we're 24 and four that year. Yeah. That's a uh, Devin is Melvin's son. So that makes me like him even more and root for the Suns that much more. Huh? Another St. Louis connection. It's almost like the Midwest has a hand in a lot of different sports. Hmm. Why aren't we thought of more? Why are we talked about more? That's really, really odd, but that's what you get here on toasted tavern, the Midwest bias because the Midwest is in everything. We make the East and West Coast biased the way that they are. So uh, let, let's talk about the Eastern Conference Finals real quick because uh, game one is is wrapping up and it is coming down to the absolute wire. You've got Giannis versus Trey Young. Who wants it more is the biggest question. I don't know if you can really ask that and not get a, an answer on either side because I think both these guys really do want this. Right now, you've got 5.3 seconds left in the fourth quarter. The Hawks hold a 114-113 lead over the Bucks. I, I got to ask you, man, who do you think actually wins this series? Because this is going to be a, a tightly contested one all the way. Yeah, I said the other day I thought Milwaukee just because I thought they had a little bit more scoring besides just Giannis, whereas you know Atlanta kind of lives and dies by what Trey Young does for the most part. Um, so I still think it's going to be Milwaukee, but Atlanta has shocked everybody, man. Nobody thought Atlanta was going to be at this point 
and Trey Young and some of those other stars on the young stars on this uh, Hawks team are definitely showing that they belong in the big spotlight. Yeah, Trey Young, 46 points tonight. Giannis, 34. Drew Holiday has 33. And that, that's the thing you talk about. Milwaukee has a couple of different guys that can store. Chris Middleton, 15 points as well. So you've got three starters that are putting up double figures. And then Giannis, 12 boards, 10 assists for Holiday as well. So uh, Giannis uh, is actually one assist away from a triple-double. We'll see if he can actually get that as uh, time is winding down in this game. It is. It's important and it's it's key for the Hawks, especially that they get scoring from other guys on this team. You know, you've got Collins with 23 tonight, John Collins. You've got uh, Kevin Herter with 13 as well. So if, if Trey Young can get that support, the support he didn't necessarily have at Oklahoma. He put up a bunch of points at Oklahoma, but that team lost a lot of games because they didn't have anything around him. Well, right now the Hawks have stuff around him and they're, I think succeeding a little bit faster than we expected them to. Uh, and if they're able to hold on to this game one win, I think that's a huge shock because Milwaukee is a team that you look at and you go, yeah, they, they have the pedigree to get to the finals. Yeah. You know, like you said, Milwaukee now, Giannis has those other guys around him, which he hasn't had the last couple of years, which has led to them getting knocked out earlier than anybody expected. And if Atlanta, if Trey Young, if some of those other guys can step up, you know, they could pull the upset here. And you realize that the last time that a Hawks team was in the NBA Finals, they were uh, the St. Louis Hawks. Louis. Hey, look at that. Another St. Louis connection. It's really odd how that's starting to work out. <laughs> St. Louis has a lot of ties to the NBA when you look around. And, you know, so many of the young stars either are St. Louis kids or they played at Mizzou or they played at SLU. I mean, it's crazy how many – big-name, young, rising stars in the NBA are from the St. Louis area or have St. Louis ties. And with that being said, then, obviously the NBA isn't huge on expansion. Uh, yeah, Obviously, the last couple of teams were, at the time, Vancouver, which is now Memphis, and then you had Toronto. You don't have a whole lot of expansion. Charlotte got a team back after the, the move to New Orleans. Do you see St. Louis ever getting a shot at being able to host an NBA team? Uh, I hope at some point. You know, and unfortunately, like they screwed the Blues over, the Lorries really screwed St. Louis over because that was our best shot. You know, if, if they would have, if they would have waited and done a couple of things different, the Grizzlies would have ended up in St. Louis. That's where the NBA wanted them to be. They almost had a deal done, and then Bill Lorry got impatient and pulled out because he didn't like the way the financials were lining up and some stupid stuff that should shouldn't have happened. But yeah, we should have an NBA team in St. Louis right now. But uh, Hopefully it'll happen at some point, um, whether it's expansion or, you know, if a team ends up relocating at some point, which, you know, a team like the Pelicans, which has moved around a lot, they're not drawing huge in New Orleans. You know, that's not really a basketball city necessarily. So maybe a team like that could end up in St. Louis or, you know, as well as the although with Trey Young there. You know, hopefully they'll start drawing better. But, you know, there's always been rumors. Atlanta's never really had great attendance for Hawks games. You know, there were rumors at different points in time that the Hawks could come back to St. Louis. So you never know. I mean, I would love to see it. That's for sure. Yeah, I would like to see it as well. And uh, the game has just gone final. Chris uh, Middleton misses a 27-foot three-pointer for the tie as the Hawks take game one, 116 to 113. So they lead that series one game to none. The Suns lead their series with the Clippers 
two games to none. So lots of great action going on there. The uh, overtime period is getting ready to start in New York as the Lightning and the Islanders are tied at two. And jumping around the scoreboard real quick, we'll uh, catch you up on some Major League Baseball scores. Uh, the White Sox, a 4-3 victory over the Pirates. Uh, the Tigers, once again, have beaten the Cardinals 6-2. Brewers, a 3-2 victory over the Diamondbacks. Uh, the Yankees held on to beat the Royals 6-5. Okay, that game got interesting because we told you earlier that it was a 4-3 Yankees lead because they, you know, the Royals went up in the 8th, in the top of the 8th. The Yankees went up in the bottom of the 8th. Well, in the top of the ninth, the Royals scored two runs on a bases-loaded walk and an O'Hearn infield single. But in the bottom of the ninth, Gabby Sanchez hits a game-tying home run, and Luke Voigt singles to left to give the Yankees the 6-5 to five victory. So at least one team in Missouri is, you know, even though they didn't win, they're at least making things competitive. And, hey, the team from Missouri, the Royals, got beat by a St. Louis kid, Luke Voigt, who gets the game-winning hit for the Yankees. And good for Luke Voigt because he's been hurt and missed most of the season. So good to see him back in that Yankee lineup. Absolutely great to see. And uh, just so you guys know, the uh, Euros in Europe are going on right now. It's a soccer thing, I know. I'm a huge soccer fan. As you can see, we got the St. Louis City logo up there on our screen. We cannot wait for St. Louis City SC to begin play here. They are going to have a, a minor league team, essentially, here beginning next year. So as you see, if you go downtown to watch a Cardinals game, you'll see the stadium rising up very, very quickly. It's because they are going to be fielding a team here in one of the, the MLS sub-leagues, which will eventually feed into St. Louis City SC, so make sure you keep an eye on that. Uh, Germany, my team, my team outside of America, they survived a scare from Hungary today. They ended up tying 2-2, which has enabled them to push into the round of 16. They were actually trailing 2-1 uh, late in that game before getting a, uh, a couple of goals uh, late. Uh, Goritzka scores in the 84th minute to tie it up, and I tell you what, man, Germany does not look great I hope that they take this scare and kind of run with it and improve a little bit because uh, I'm a huge German fan. Uh, I, I watch them as much as I possibly can. And for them to potentially not have made it to the round of 16 and maybe go out early, they face England in the round of 16. Holy moly, that's going to be a fun game for sure. Uh, if they go out early, uh, they, they may have to start rethinking uh, about uh, low at coach. Maybe they make a move after the Euros before the uh, World Cup coming up. Yeah, that would be a big shock for Germany to go out early. That's not something that normally happens to them in soccer. So that'll be interesting to pay attention to for sure. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're kind of in the transition. They're, they've got a lot of the old guard still there. The young guard is still coming in. Their U21 team won the U21 Euros. So they've got a lot of talent coming in. It's just it's not there yet. And that's that they're in that transition period. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. So a uh, round of 16 matchups that are already set in the Euros. you got Wales and Denmark, Italy and Austria, the Netherlands and Czech Republic, Belgium and Portugal. Cristiano Ronaldo did advance to the next round as well. Croatia and Spain. Spain, France and Switzerland, the aforementioned England and Germany, and then Sweden and the Ukraine. So a lot of really, really good matchups going on in European soccer. Beginning the 26th, this Saturday, uh, you've got four days of round of 16 coverage over on ESPN and ABC. So make sure you check that out. Who knows? Maybe you're going to see a future St. Louis City SC player playing there as well because they, they're going to have to make a big signing at some point, and it could come from one of these European teams for sure. 
Absolutely. It, w- it would really kind of would surprise me if somebody from over there, a somewhat big star, didn't end up getting signed by St. Louis. Well, they've got one of the greatest uh, German soccer analysts, coaches, what have you, and and, uh, and lots. So, man, he's going to pull something out of his hat for sure. Uh, Team USA roster is set in the Olympics. Uh, Harden actually has pulled out. Uh, you've got uh, Zach Levine, Jer- Jeremiah Grant, James Harden is out. Kevin Durant will be there as well as Draymond Green, uh, Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, Bam Adebayo, Jason Tatum. Uh, Kevin Love is also on the team. Three players that are on the roster that are still playing are Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and Devin Booker. So we'll see if they are able to make it as well. So Team USA looking like they are fielding a team that's going to be pretty good. Is it a shoo-in in your mind that they win a gold medal again? Um, I'm not going to say it's a shoe-in because a lot of those European teams continue to get better. So I think it'll be tough. I think they'll make it to the gold medal game. I'm not going to say it's a shoe-in just because we've seen so many of those European teams, like I said, improve over the last few years. So it should be an interesting basketball round in the Olympics and a bunch of St. Louis ties to the USA team there as well. Yeah, and Beal and Jason Tatum. So make sure you catch uh, the Olympics as they come up here very, very shortly. It'll be a fun time here over the summer because we do have a lot of really, really good sports going on. So, uh, Scott, give us a little bit about what you got going on this week. I know you called some Legion games this week. We may have a couple more, and then the Cardinals are back in town starting tomorrow. Yeah, I did a couple of different Legion games. I actually did a uh, girls' softball game, college JUCO college, college girls' softball game yesterday. So that was fun. I hadn't done a uh, softball game yet this summer, so that was a good time. Done a couple of uh, a couple of American Legion games in the last week. I was out in St. Charles actually last Friday, saw a good game out there. And uh, yeah, going to be heading to uh, do some Cardinals stuff starting tomorrow night. I'll be out until next Thursday before I jump back on the show. Hey, and you know what? I might see you tomorrow night because I'll be at the Cardinals game as well. It's soccer jersey night, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And we got a got a couple other things in the works this weekend that uh, may bear fruit in the next coming months. So make sure you keep an eye there. And make sure you guys follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube at Toaster Tavern, as well as Toasted STL. Lots of great stuff coming up in the pipeline. Uh, we want to thank you guys for joining us. It's been a great night talking. Yeah, we had to rant a little bit about Major League Baseball, but at least we got something to talk about. I'll put it that way. Uh, make sure you join us every weeknight here at 9 o'clock on Toasted Tavern. For Scott, I am Wags. Thank you guys for joining us, and have a great rest of your night. For new episodes, merchandise, and behind-the-scenes content, be sure to visit ToastedSTL.com. Or follow us on Twitter at Toasted St. Louis. I'm the voice of the blues, Tom Calhoun. Let's get toasted!